Hello, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So, thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. It's interesting. I am actually drinking coffee as we host this coffee talk. <laughs> they I are, will, I will have mine in a bit. I was about to say, you know, they are it is still quite early for you because you are on Pacific time on the West Coast. Yes. But, but it's it's you know, usually um, in a normal life I'm up even earlier than this, but with with the, the new world order that we're in, it is a little later, skewing a little later, so. It, same in my world, no worries, but I'm still still drinking the same cup of coffee, and it doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. Um, Lisa Neathal, you are um, someone that I have known now for more than 10 years. Our experience was on the foundation board together for the very first time. And you were who I always call my president of the foundation because I was a freshman foundation board member and you were the sitting president. And it was a wonderful experience for me, but that was not the start of either of our journeys. Tell people a little bit about you and your AOPI journey. Well, um, so I, I, well, I had, Oh, wait, um, wait, wait. Hang on. We got to start I, over that. Um, start that one over because there was a little bit of a, a pause or a skip in the connection. And I don't want people to miss the story. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I pledged to apply at Beta Phi Chapter at Indiana University. Um, I actually hadn't planned to go to Indiana. I had a um, was planning to go to Syracuse on a full ROTC scholarship, and at the very, very last minute, um, late in the spring of that year, my senior year in high school, I got a call from the um, the orthopedic surgeon at the local at um, the Army base in Indianapolis, and said, "Come in for some more tests." And you and I went in, and I, it turns out that I have scoliosis, which I didn't know at the time. I had no affected. idea. No, well, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you something you don't know, too. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I never experienced any any symptoms of that, but um, but it was over the regulation. And this, this is the early 80s, so at the time, people were really starting to get back into looking at ROTC as a, as a way to go to college. And I came from a military family, so for me, it was really about wanting to serve. And um, But they took my scholarship. Which then put me into the mode of really wanting to be a little more responsible with my family. I'm the youngest of six. So I, I thought, well, okay, I can go to in-state. My dad said, you know, we'll pay for in-state, but out-of-state, that's on you. So, or that, you know, bump is on you. So I ended up in Indiana, and actually it was a great fit for me. Um, and I didn't go through much my, my, my freshman year. 
because I had a fantastic dorm experience. I got into a great dorm and I really bonded well with my friends. I made great friends um, and we, and, and I had a great time. And the only reason that I, you know, really at that point went through um, was for housing. And I was like, okay, I'm not gonna live in the dorms forever. Indiana has a deferred rush, however, as you know. So the net, so my sophomore year in the in the winter, I went through rush and um, recruitment and ended up pledging the Alpine, Um which I don't know. Should I tell this part? I actually suicided for another chapter. <laughs> and <laughs> you can tell this part. Um, and for no, people who don't know what that term them. means in today's world, it's <laughs> single intention good, preference. <laughs> single intention preference. It's probably not a good term to use these days. And at any time, it's really not accurate. But, but it's, it's all we knew at the time. Sure. It is. Yeah. And um, at the time, I really felt very strongly. I liked Aopi a lot. And I had a, a friend who I'd known through a dorm friend um, in the chapter who is the one who really kind of sort of sh- led me into Aopi and to really consider it seriously. But at the end of the day, I said, you know what, I just want to be a member of this other house. And so um, on bid day, I I did not get a match, and um, but I got a snap. I, I was called by Ohio immediately and got snapped in. And I was like, okay, well, I guess this is sort of meant to be, despite my efforts on getting Ohio. <laughs> obviously, it was the right choice. You know, the world knew better than I um, about the fit. So, um, moved into the chapter house in my the, the fall of my junior year and was really. Um, I had a great experience. I was not the uber, you know, um, I was very involved, but I had a serious boyfriend. I was not the, I was not a chapter president. I was a, I was the rush, uh, uh, CMB rush chairman, which didn't have a lot to do really, but also that meant you, you were the assistant rush chairman. Oh, which, um, which again. does because some of our chapters, which does have a lot to. yeah, some of our chapters, COB is, is extremely busy and it's something that yes. you, you know, you allocate all this time, but for others, it is sort of this sidebar, but then there's this added position with formal recruitment that becomes quite a thing yes. too. That, yes. And that, and, and my good friend was the recruitment chairman. So that was a great fit. Um, she was a pledge sister and, um, Marcy Watson, if you're out there, hi Marcy. Hi Marcy. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, but I was also on, um, you know, uh, standards or chapter elections committee. We called it, and I was on. I was an election chairman one year, and so I was in, involved in other things. And when I ended up um, applying for the chapter consultant program, now called the ELC program, um, I, you know. It was something that I did, frankly, because I'm a procrastinator, which Crystal knows. You have to give me a deadline. Um, and <laughs> but you don't I, even miss your deadlines. I don't miss my deadline, but I have to, I have, to have deadlines. But I, <laughs> I applied to be a chapter consultant, really to avoid studying for finals um, my senior year. And because I'd already, you know, cleaned out my closets. And so, um, and when I got the interview, I think my chapter sisters were very surprised because they never saw me in that way. And they had a perception of what maybe an ELC or a chapter consultant would be. They didn't see me in that role. And they were like, wow, I can't believe it. You're actually going to be interviewing, you know? So, um, so when I got the job, again, it was sort of a, 
I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, with my career. And so it seemed like a great way. I've always been a big traveler. It seemed like a great way to kind of extend my ability to decide about my future life. So, um, so I did that and it was fantastic. And I met dear friends who I'm still really good friends with, um, and, um, and ended up in California, um, for work. Um, and again, through AOPI, AOPI had put me in Boston at Tufts, um, working with the chapter there that was being recolonized. And then that opened up the um, after my AOPI contract ended, I got a job on a film that was shooting there and then moved to California on another film. First called the um, chapter consultant uh, buddy, um, Leslie Friedberg, Michaels, who sure. is our chapter advisor at, um, yeah, at, at San Diego. Iota and, um, at, yeah, at, uh, Cal State San Marcos, and she, she lives in San Diego, and she, I said, hey, I'm, I moved to California, we have to, let's live, let's find a room, let's find a house, an apartment, whatever, so we moved in with another, one of her chapter sisters from um, USC, from New Lambda, and um, yeah, and that was that, and that was sort of started my alone journey, which has had a lot of things, including, you know, being a chapter um, advisor, being, um, for a minute, um, being a network director, network director, being starting an alum chapter as a as a colony member with Leslie and Mallory, my two AOPI roommates, um, and then getting involved in the foundation, um, uh, being a network specialist, development, being a network director, and then of course now being on the exec board, which is you know really exciting, and um, I can't believe it's been all this, these many years, but it's certainly been a great experience all of my involvement and every job that I've had in AOPI has been really um a growth opportunity for me and a really great one so well and I think Lisa it what's what's fascinating I think a lot of people think that if you are elected to the executive board that means that you knew from the time you were born that you wanted to be an AOPI and you had a track that was 20 years in the making and you, you know, people even assume that about me and it's it's absolutely 100% not true. Like people are always surprised that I never served in the networks. I'm like, well, there wasn't, I didn't take a defined plan because there was no plan. (laughs) There was a plan for each biennium, but that was the end of the plan. And and I love that you are the epitome of let's just see what happens and yet everywhere that you have served you have left your mark and and I mean I'm living proof of that because you are still and and I had other wonderful uh, foundation board presidents to be clear shout out to Cindy Vassat who was my second term on the board was amazing to work with and and then I had that opportunity but but when you're first coming in as a new person that you were that Mm -hmm. go-to person and it was it was a time of great change in our foundation. Um, it was during that time frame that our executive director decided to retire from us and to move on to other things. And, and you know, that created a whole lot of unknown. And, and it just, it was a good experience for me to work with you. And, and I just learned all of these things I did not know. And, and I love that it <laughs> highlights all of the opportunities that women have who sit out there and say, oh, I would love to do that one day, but I haven't been a chapter president. Well, that's that's okay. Many, many, many of us have, and many, many, many more have yeah. not. 
And I just, that's right. I love that, that your path was a little more winding than most, even if you had I to have deadlines. <laughs> but I will say, I will say the thing that the thread for me, I think for many of us um, in our, in our volunteer journeys has been that people have asked us to think about taking this role or think about taking that role or you would be good at this or that. And, um, and I think that is, um, that is what I try to do for other young women and sisters. Um, you know, Barb Hunt was the one who called and invited me to a brand uh, for the foundation. And really, like, it felt like oh, practically overnight. <laughs> and if you know, you, I know you know Barb well, and you know yes. how persuasive she can be. But, um, <laughs> you know, sort of like overnight, all of a sudden I was on a committee. And then the next thing you know, I was running for the board. And so it was just, but it was one phone call to start it. And I think that happens a lot. And we have to be better at doing that because um, we see things in others they don't always see in themselves. Well, and one of my favorite stories about you that's a newer one, I have several from our time when we served together and certainly this last year, but but we sat um, in the same couple of people. It was you and me and Lee were all kind of right there together at Rose Banquet. And we were talking about the various things on the program coming up. And Barbara Hunt, for those who do not know, is just this iconic, amazing woman in our foundation and in our fraternity as well, of course, but in our foundation, she has an award. It is the Barbara Dogs Hunt Award. And you and I had just literally had the conversation that that, that award sort of is the epitome of, of all things that you will have, have felt as if you had accomplished all things and arrived, for lack of a better expression, right. if you could ever have received that award. And not seven minutes later, maybe four, you, your name, and I didn't know either. It wasn't like I was playing the game. Uh, you, your name was announced for having received the Barbara Dogs Hunt Award for our foundation for lifetime service. And, and that was just one of right. my favorite moments as we had talked about that sort of the Everest of all things foundation. <laughs> and then you won rightfully and deservingly. So. I know. That was well, that was such an honor, and I was really, really shocked. Um, so, yeah, that was that was special. So, shout out to Barbara if she's listening. That was a pretty yeah. amazing Hello. moment. Yes. <laughs> so, and, the, and the, actually, the award is sitting on my desk where I'm sitting here talking to you. It's right here. Oh, that's I can amazing. see it every day. I love this. I, you know, I, I can only imagine it's kind of like an Oscar for people on, on screen. Yeah. Is that, yeah, that you just walk by and think, hello, Barb. And just keep right on going. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of the screen, you have done a lot of things, and you mentioned that your first job was a connection through AOPI experiences. Mm-hmm. Lisa, tell people what you do in the real world that is not AOPI. I'm a film and television executive right now, um, but I was a producer for many, many years, and um, so I started out in production and film, worked my way up from, you know, production assistant, and um, and have had um, a mix of staff and freelance um, work my whole career, um, starting with uh, freelance and then going to Disney for a few years, and Viacom, and Showtime, um, and then freelancing as a producer and a line producer for 20 plus years. And then in between there, weaving in consulting jobs and, um, and that sort of thing, you know, interim heads of production at various entities. And I, so I've worked for, um, um, 
um, Universal for a little bit. I worked for Sonar Entertainment. I worked for e- Entertainment One, E1. And then for the last two years, I have um, been um, head of physical production for Blumhouse Television, which is um, the sister company to Blumhouse Productions, which is the film company that was established by Jason Blum, who you all may know from films like Invisible Man, um, oh. Get Out, um, Us, and and all of, you know, a very much horror genre. Um, <laughs> not the things that I see in the theater. Those are the not, things my boys see <laughs> with their well, father. Should, yeah. <laughs> and, but some of them, like Get Out, and I think, um, you know, um, Invisible Man, as scary as they are, they're not... Um, they're not like a slasher films. We do those too sometimes. But, um, but the tele- the great thing about the television side of Blumhouse is that it is um, it is really a broader range of genre that we can do. So we do sort of holiday themed horror, some scary, campy movies like that we do for Hulu called Into the Dark, which is a series of standalone movies that are drop once a month on Hulu under that moniker. But each one is. Um, film uh, and written loosely around a, a holiday, like so, you know, Christmas one or um, Mother's Day or something. So, like that. so um, you just said yeah. that you all drop horror films around Christmas and Mother's Day. <laughs> yes, did you have to watch? So again, <laughs> Into the Dark, which is the which is the series name on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, watch the you can watch one we're literally right now so we so on the tv side we do both series television you know um cable whatever um limited series ongoing series but we also do the streaming movies so we do films for amazon and for you know hulu and netflix and and all kinds of places like that um but the holiday theme tour are really fun because they are um you know some of them are are, they're not the kind of scary that's going to keep you up at night um (laughs) They're scary that you're going to laugh at, kind of, and then get, you know, you'll have a jump scare, but you may also laugh, and some of them, they're not all for everyone, but they're kind of, we are now, um, before the coronavirus is shut down, we are, we were in the middle of uh, shooting the 23rd of 24 films that we've done in just a little under two years, which is, we kind of built, yeah, we kind of built a new model for this, where we sort of combined the best of television schedule television production schedule with the the kind of creative um visionary uh approach from an indie film and we moshed those two up and ended up with the the series that became into the dark so but we also do things like you know politically themed things historic things we do we do anything that we think is interesting and maybe has a little bit of a darker edge something something that can spur some conversation about it. So the latest, um, we did a film, a limited search for Showtime called um, The Loudest Voice, which was about Roger Ailes and the start of Fox News, which was starred um, Russell Crowe, who won a Golden Globe for it. I'll plug that one. Uh, so wait, The Loudest Voice? The Loudest Voice, I'm yes. now making notes this as is, we talk. <laughs> Into the Dark and The Loudest Voice. It's a seven, yeah. Um, the Loudest Horse is a seven episode limited series. You have Showtime or, or Show. Oh, 
Oh wait, Lisa, I lost you. Time and it's in wait, hang on. Um, wait, wait, I lost you after seven series. Say it again. Okay. So say, can you hear me now? Yes, perfect. Okay, that's okay. So it's a seven hour limited series for Showtime. And uh, Russell Crowe plays Roger Ailes, and his and Naomi Watts plays Gretchen Carlson, and Roger Ailes kind of right hand guys, and it's it's based on a book called The Loudest Voice in the Room, and uh, it's sort of you've seen the, the movie Bombshell. This is just a little bit different telling of it, and it really focuses more on Roger and his kind of you know, really dark and awful way of working. I mean, he was a genius, but he was also a terrible guy. Um, and, uh, well, he was a, anyway, you can cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's fine. <laughs> he, he was, he, he was a, um, so it's, it's just a, like, again, if you saw Bombshell, that's the film version really told more through the, the experience of the women. This one is more sort of the psychological profile of Roger Ailes. So, um, but the one, I'm, another one I'm really excited about, which happens to also be for Showtime, that we're in post-production on right now, is called um, The Good Lord Bird. And it is from a National Book Award winner, uh, winning book um, of the same title, The Good Lord Bird by James McBride. And it's a, it is a retelling of the John Brown abolitionist story as told through the eyes of a young slave boy who John Brown frees, but who he mistakes for a girl. And so this boy ends up um, posing as a girl as he kind of joins John Brown's band of, you know, we call them terrorists for the good guys. But it's a really, um, it's a, you know, it was a controversial book in that in it's very irreverent. Um, and I think we've taken that same tone. So it's a it's it's a serious subject, but it is told in a very irreverent way. And um, that it, we're hoping that that's going to be airing on Showtime in August. And it's also a seven part mini limited series. And Ethan Hawke plays John Burnham. Uh, some of the stuff that we're coming down the pike from. But I oversee the physical production side. So I oversee the all of our, you know, I work with our directors and producers. I hire the line producers in um, and help, you know, hire the crew and do the budgets and do the schedules and decide where we're going to shoot and then oversee it. Um, I have a small team that I that I work with of about seven people and we, um, yeah, that's, so that's the day to day. And I, yeah. Well, so I, I have to tell you, for anyone who has not been on a set of any way, I, I have not either. The only experience I have with this is having taken like a backstage sort of tour at Warner Brothers several years ago, before convention actually, in Los Angeles. And, and we, just the scope of what, I don't know that everyone realizes how much goes into all of the things that make mm -hmm. televisions and movies come to life. Like, it's not just this really great director with a good eye and an actress on a stage or or something. I mean, there are so many things. Yeah. And just the idea of what you do makes me anxious for you. 
because there are so many moving parts. I just, on a daily basis, I think I would be a very nervous person, and I'm not naturally. No. Well, I'm trying to get you on a set, and we'll do this again, though, because we do shoot a lot in New Orleans. So yeah, that would I be know, and the last time we were here, I was away, but I do I want to, somewhere. just to, to see it happen, because I am yeah. always... Yeah so impressed because as a girl who was only on stage in junior high or high school for a hot minute as a something something in the background I know I am not an actress and have a great great respect for all people who make all movies happen and all television shows and and I think producers are just amazingly talented creatures all of you it's just fascinating Um, so you have obviously done tons of work and and I do think that so I did watch Bombshell not until this pandemic and and the the social distancing has come into play and so in the evenings my husband and I instead of having our weekly date night have an evening date night and we try to stay awake long enough to finish the movie Um, I did watch Bombshell so I'm actually adding the loudest voice to my next up because I think that's pretty fascinating and certainly in in today's world and with all that we now know, I think that would be great. I don't know about Into the Dark for me yet. I may would be like all the lights on and the windows open to watch it during broad daylight. But tell you me, could do that, yeah. tell me, I, and, and I, I, I may try it. My boys might inspire me for that. Um, and I have not read Good Lord Bird, so I'm going to add that to my reading list also. I think that's really fascinating. But tell me anything else that you would recommend. A lot of people, I find that it's almost as busy as it was before for me, just in a very different way. But yeah. but filling the time and space so that there's not as much anxiety um, in the downtime that we do have. What yeah. are some other things that you would recommend for our friends and sisters who love to watch movies and televisions while they are at home and social distancing? Well, I have been thinking about this a lot since you asked me, um, and so I have my little list, and it's, it's kind of a combination of, I think what people tend to do, especially, and this is not just because of the coronavirus, but there's so much content out there, there's so much new stuff being just churned out on a daily, weekly basis that's very overwhelming, and so what we tend to do, I think, is go back to those favorites that we love, and um, because we can't really decide between some of the new things. So for me, I, ha- I mean, it's almost, it's a full-time job just keeping up watching um, the things that I'm, that I'm part of making for the company, so, um, <laughs> yeah. so to find the time to watch more third-party stuff is very difficult, but I try to do it, and I try to take good recommendations, but I went through, and I made a list of some movies that I think are the kinds of movies that I go back to if I happen to, you know, be, imagine what, you know, I flip finger on the dial. Wait, hang on, Lisa. Wait, 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 hang on. Back up about five seconds because I lost you. Okay. 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 Now tell me. Um, I was saying, I was saying, um, when I'm flipping around the dial, which I still, because I still have cable, because I have two, uh, a husband and a son who watch a lot of sports, um, 
I, I'll go back. These are the kind of films that if it's on, I'll watch it no matter where it is in progress, just because they're kind of favorites of mine. So I have a short list of movies and I have some, some suggestions of, of some other, some television and some podcasts. So movie wise, I am a huge, I think I, I might've said this in some other uh, forum where we were talking, sort of getting to know you on the board, but I love Jaws. Jaws is one of my favorite all time <laughs> movies. Um, it is a really well-crafted movie. And it is a great, it's just a great story. For me, it's very nostalgic because I remember when I saw it in the theaters as a kid. Um, but it's also sort of a, you know, it's a real, it's a scary movie. And I think sometimes in scary times, you watch a scary movie that doesn't, you know, that kind of can be a distraction, a different kind of scary, right? Um, then there's a couple that are just super feel good. And they're all for movies. Um, which is wait 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 say it again for me that were made wait say it again move over move over darling move over darling okay yes and it is it that this movie was made at least three times over in the 20th century like first in the 30 maybe the 20s then maybe in the 40s then in the 50s with doris day and um and Jim Garner, who I'm a huge Doris Day fan. I had a Doris Day themed um, wedding uh, shower. No, you just another, another story, yes, because I, I just love Doris. <laughs> anyway, so that's a really fun story about a woman who um, disappears on a, a, a plane crash, they think, I think, or, or she gets stranded on an island, they think she's dead. She comes back, she's rescued finally. She comes back to find that her husband is getting ready to marry another woman because she's been gone for seven years and they thought she was dead. And it's very comedic and fun. And um, and she anyway, Doris is great. Thelma Ritter is great. In as a producer and as a production exec, whenever I talk to, to young people who want to get into my to be a do make a study television, and I think. Um, so you have to know old films. You have to know old, you know, actors and actresses from other as uh, as you. I think that's better than going to grab older film, frankly. Sit there and watch a bunch of old movies every day. Um, the other one that I love that's not that old is called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which I is Judy Dench and um, a, a really fantastic cast in India, which is a place that I'm fascinated by. It's fun, you know, beautiful visual. Expect something that will sort of take out of you know the four walls that you might feel, um, you know, are closing in on you in this time. <laughs> um, newer movies again. Um, there's a movie called Her, which is with um, Joaquin Phoenix, which I'm a big fan of, and it's about a guy who essentially starts a relationship with an online, um, you know, uh, electronic woman. And, um, <laughs> okay. and, that, and that is, and that is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. So it, it is, it's a really interesting, small story, very beautifully made, very stylistic, um, sort of future, but not too far in the future. And it's a really heart wrenching, about a guy who's just trying to make a connection and I think it's that one relates to the time we're in right now I mean it's a great performance by Joaquin Phoenix who's a I think a brilliant actor yes. um two more on my on my list of 
you know, um, uh, films that are, um, you know, dramatic or, you know, scripted films, I guess I would say. Midnight in Paris, which is another fave of mine, a Woody yes. Allen film um, with um, Owen Wilson. And I, again, love it. Love the, the kind of two time periods that it covers. And, the, you know, I love Paris. Who doesn't love Paris? So I also love Paris. Paris. <laughs> yes. Um, and then because I do like some dark stuff and I, it's not horror, but I, I love, I love James Bond. I one of the best James Bond films ever. And um, again, Judy Dench. And, wait a minute. Um, wait, which James Bond fan? Hang on. I mean, which James Bond uh, film? I'm saying Skyfall. Oh, Skyfall. Yes. Skyfall. Yeah. And I wasn't a huge fan of the idea of Daniel Craig, but he's grown on me, and I think he's really, really great in this. <laughs> he didn't hurt my feelings so, at all. <laughs> yeah, you got you to throw in a bond. I have two, um, I have two uh, unscripted, like, documentary films I want to I wanna mention and give a shout out to. One is um, called Man on Wire, and it's, I don't know if you ever saw this, it's about a guy, it's a true story of a guy, obviously it's a documentary, who who um, walked across the the World Trade Center buildings between them. Oh, the I didn't 70s. see the movie, but I, I know that it's happened. I mean, I've heard of this event. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a really fascinating story, and it's you, you learn about how he prepared for it, and, you know. So that's a really interesting one. And then there's one minute pitch that is um, a Blumhouse title, because um, we do unscripted television as well, which I which I also oversee from the production side, but it's bathtubs over Broadway, and it is a in a documentary film about um, a guy who used to work for the um, the um, oh my gosh late night with David Letterman, and he was the guy if you watched it who would find these crazy records. Oh wait, move back to where you were. All I Stop. got wait, wait, all I got was he was the guy that would find these crazy and then it phased out. Tell me what was crazy. Um, the um record albums. And he would if they had a weird title or they had some weird subject or or it was from an artist, you know, it was sort of like when Jane when when um William Shatner did a musical album and people weird albums, right? So but in the search for these albums, he found all of these albums that were basically soundtracks from industrial musicals that were done in New York and up in Detroit and other places over the years as tools for big conventions and other things. And they were full. It's a great film. It's a super feel good film. It's Oh, wait, Lisa, it's lagging. I can't hear you. You get to meet the people. Wait a minute, wait a oh. minute. Back up for just a few seconds because I lost oh. you. All of the people, okay. while you find I'm, a good I'm just place. I'm sitting right in my same place. Yeah, no, I'm sure I am too, but all of the people okay. that are making all of the things happen, even if it drops every, you know, so often, I have to send a shout out to all the people still letting us communicate. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, so wait, sure. so bathtubs over Broadway. Yes, that's over Broadway. So again, feel good, really fun, um, 
kind of slice of life that you most people weren't aware of that these these musicals were being made and some actors and artists had their entire career as performers in these uh, in these these um, productions and they only survived through the people who did them and some of these recordings so it's kind of a really fun story that's really neat yeah um and then some binge television and again all about like what are you going to watch when you when the television is your escape here (laughs) yeah um you know i love downton abbey um, and game of thrones so if you're going to go back and do a binge i would i would highly recommend both of those i love season one of true detective super dark but really good but only season one (laughs) you You will only endorse the first season it's an anthology series so each season is a new story and that's true detective to an hbo um show but uh, i thought season one was fantastic and it's woody harrelson and really great um cast um the other one I was thinking of, like if I was going to binge, I mean, just for some laughs is The Simpsons, which I, I still think is hilarious. <laughs> I don't watch it all the time, but it's it's great. And you can watch that with your whole family, which is really fun. Yes. Um, and you'll, you know, you'll laugh it on a different level maybe than your younger kids would or whatever, but it's a really fun one. Um, two newer ones that I love that I, that I can't wait for, for two of. Uh, in the case of this one, which is Afterlife, which is a Ricky Gervais um, uh, half-hour sort of dramedy on um, Amazon, I think. And it is the story of a guy whose wife has died, and he's just trying to cope in true Ricky Gervais fashion. he It is super irreverent, but very funny and very touching. Um, and Fleabag, which I absolutely love, um, and binge both seasons and or maybe there were three I can't remember I think there's two but um Phoebe Waller-Bridge who's the creator of that and star of that is I think amazingly talented and it's just fun and again irreverent humor which I like so um <laughs> we have a little bit of that around the place too <laughs> yeah. um and then of course the great British bake, bake Off but not just the series I discovered recently I think it's honestly, you know, we're now coming into late spring, maybe early summer, but they have a series of holiday episodes with just, with just a limited group of bakers. And I think they're super fun. And so I would go back and watch that if, you know, want a little, plus I'm cooking a lot right now in my kitchen and baking a lot. So it's fun to watch some of that too as inspiration. I do and, agree with you. Well, although I don't aspire yeah. to be able to bake like they do, but I do think it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's pretty. I can't. My I hope mine tastes good. They don't always look that great, but I, Same. I yeah, yes. I can't do that. I'm not that artistic. Um, and then lastly, I have some podcast suggestions, which as many um, my fellow board members and I share podcast uh, ideas a lot, but. Couple that I one that I keep going back again a food related one while we're on that um, is called the Splendid Table, oh. and it's been it's been a radio um, a radio show like a P, a PV or a NPR kind of a radio show for years and years, and now there was a woman who did it for years named Lynn Rosetto Castro I think was her name and she retired and this guy Francis Lamb 
came on board and he's just funny and smart and he's you know he's a little girl who he talks about his his little family a lot and how he cooks for her and he has just an infectious laugh and I just find him really entertaining and they do great you know they pick a topic and it's all food related but you know really interesting and fun um then there's one called the thing about Pam which is a dark story of a woman who um and it was a dateline it's a dateline podcast and I think it was a Dateline um, television episode or episodes. But it's, it's a really odd story about this woman, Pam Hub, who is really just a, a killer. And she's, but she's in the guise of a very um, seemingly normal, you know, nice lady next door kind of thing. Um, oh. We are, um, we're developing it actually at Blumhouse as a, as a, a script probably a scripted limited series but it's a really it's it's a fascinating story because it's trying you know trying to understand somebody who would do some of the things she did um is really i find really fascinating and if you're i know a lot of women are into true crime and this is a great true crime podcast wow that um, might be one i also have to listen to yeah, in the daylight <laughs> you should yeah the other two more, and then I, I feel like I've been rambling, but two more. One is called Root of Evil, which I might have mentioned at the last board meeting, but this is a story of a, two sisters who start to dig back in their family history and discover some things that are really disturbing, but also super fascinating and interesting and weird. And again, tied to some true crime, tied to the Black Dahlia, which is an infamous um, murder from Hollywood in the 40s, and um, really fascinating, and especially because it's told by these two sisters who have the familial relationship with each other, but also with, you know, the characters in the podcast, so that's a really good one. And then my last podcast, which I just listened to, which is a little bit different, but I found it fascinating because I'm a history buff is a thing called Inside Tunnel 29. It is a limited, you know, episode podcast about um, tunnels that were built between East Germany and West Germany. Uh, And in the 70s and 80s, before, you know, the wall came down, um, there were people who, they they decided they were going to build these tunnels to try to get people from East Germany into East Berlin sorry, into Westbrook and get them, you know, free from the communist uh, life in East Berlin. And it's a really interesting story. Um, and really, um, and, the, and sort of ordinary people who do really amazingly courageous things um, to try to help those they love, but also strangers who, um, you know, who they, they just, I mean, they just feel like it's the right thing to do. So I think it's, it's a really another... Again, as a history buff, I, I thought that was really fun and interesting. That's amazing. That's my list. I love this list, and now I have new fun things. I have not, some of them I have seen, uh, Midnight mm-hmm. in Paris, of course, mm-hmm. and, and or listened to, but, but many I have not, and this will help sort of ease some of that anxiety, it, particularly for me when I wind down in the evenings. I like to, yeah. to live vicariously through the people on the screen, knowing that I'm at home in my pajamas on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, Lisa, exactly. before we go, is there anything that you could offer 
any of our sisters and friends out there about how you are working to stay calm in your own world that maybe they can take and apply to their lives? Well, I'm a very calm person anyway, you know, so um, it's probably a little easier for me, but it, but I, like two things that I found, I think, and I've had to do this because working from home, I've always worked from home, but I've, um, at different part times in my, in my life and my career, but not usually with two other people in the house and in my office. <laughs> so that's been an adjustment. Um, but I think having a routine is number one for me is really, and I see, I can see you crystal because we're doing this, you know, via FaceTime and you look beautiful. You have your, your makeup and your hair done. I haven't got there yet well but I do think two hours later you, than you. <laughs> you are you but you get up and you get dressed and you um put yourself together and you and you start your day in a routine you know you, whether that means reading the paper with your coffee or whatever um I sit down at my desk at a certain time I look at my schedule for the day just as though I was in my office um and and I really do I was sort of resistant to a lot of the video conferencing stuff I have to say but I embrace it and I think it's really important because I think the key is to keep those connections and feel like you're not just stuck in your house alone so routine and keeping the connections I've made a lot of attempts to to call people and reconnect with old friends and check in on my nieces and nephews and all that stuff which I do anyway but in a more I'm doing it now in a more you know conservative way and then the other thing it's very simple is really just getting outside every day and taking it and that's a long walk with my dog or by myself or my husband, whatever, to get out of the house, physically out of the house um, on a regular basis. Because I'm in California and we are um, being asked to essentially stay at home if you're going for groceries or, you know, to tend a sick loved one or something. But, um, but you can go for exercise and I'm definitely doing that every day. And I do yoga every day. I've been on a yoga... Um, uh, a home yoga um, streak of over a year and was every day since uh, January fifth of two thousand nineteen. So mm-hmm. I spend whether it's ten minutes or you know um, four minutes, whatever it is, every day. Uh, very very simple yoga practice, and that's hugely helpful for me. So the only question I have about that, because while I I do make an effort at yoga and meditation, it is very hard for me. But you are very specific in that day, like January the fifth. <laughs> like what happened yeah, that day? I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, no. In the sometimes go to uh, Palm Springs for in between Christmas and New Year's, and we had done that that year and, and stayed at a really nice place, and they had a beautiful spa and classes, and so the whole family we did yoga two or three times while we were there, and I've always loved yoga. I, I did my first yoga class when I was thirteen, which was back in in the seventies, and that was not a thing yet, but um, I don't know why. Anyway, um, so. After that, I was like, well, I really love yoga, but it's very hard for me to get to a class. Um, and so it's fine when you're in a resort and it's, you know, you walk out your hotel or out of your hotel room and it's right there. But it doesn't really work for me my day-to-day life. So I just 
made an effort to find a great online classes and there are thousands and thousands of yoga videos online. So I just picked a few teachers that I like and, and that's what I did. And I just made it, I started, I was just going to try to do it every day for a year. And now of course I'm addicted. So. Well, I love this, and I love you so much for sharing all of these things with us and a little glimpse into your life while we do all the things that seek to flatten the curve. And for everyone out there listening, thank you, and until next time, stay well.